Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Stephen Perkins Program. It is, it, it's a great week. It's a great week, and uh, and, and I think you'll see uh, in our stories that we're talking about this week, I'm just, I'm happy, I have energy, this is so exciting, because some things happened this week that made me just a little bundle of joy. Um, so we'll get to those in a second. I want to say, though, I want to say, for the past, like, um, I guess two and a half, past two and a half, three weeks, I've just been tired. I have been, um, I'm not going to say grump. I haven't been grumpy, but I, I've been maybe a little short tempered. Um, kind of like Rand Paul in an interview. I don't know. I, I went on a run this morning for the first time in, oh, like a year. <laughs> don't judge. But I went on a run this morning and I'm, I'm feeling good right now. I'm not going to lie. I had, uh, I got up at like six o'clock, which is ridiculous and I realized that people with real jobs probably get up at that time but um but that's just not me that's just not um how how I operate that's not the life that I live not my style but anyways I got up early and I went on a run and now I'm you know recording this show so it should be it should be a great time uh let's see so we have a lot of stories this week I'm talking about Rand Paul's announcement which is the majority uh um, or the biggest reason uh, for my for my happiness for my energy this week, we're going to talk about Jeb Bush apparently coming out as Hispanic. Who knew? Uh, we're going to talk about Hillary Clinton and how she is slipping in the polls, and how it's bringing tears to my eyes. But first, I want to give a huge shout out to our partner on this week's program, which is Octo pod mobile charging solutions uh if you're anything like me your phone is used so much during the day that eventually you run out of power just the other day i was on campus and i was doing a lot it was a very busy day and my phone slipped below 20 percent, and eventually it got below five percent and i and before i knew it i was out of battery and i needed that power and the way that my uh, the way that i was saved was by using my Octopod. And right now, if you go to octo-pod.com slash outset, you can view their entire line of mobile charging solutions. They're affordable, they're effective, and they will keep you powered up uh, through your entire day and even more. And this weekend, I'm going to a conference, so I'm going to be using those as well. Go to octo-pod.com slash outset and browse their entire line. You will not be disappointed, I guarantee it. So the first story of the day is Rand Paul, obviously the senator from Kentucky, as if you didn't know, Rand Paul announced on Tuesday that he is running for president in 2016. Uh, he had his kickoff announcement in Louisville, Kentucky uh, to a, a pretty packed room. And guess what? Uh, hey, Ted Cruz, everyone at the Rand Paul rally wanted to be there. Novel idea that you wouldn't force people to go to your campaign announcement. Kind of weird. So he announced on Tuesday, um, he had been hinting at it for the past couple of weeks and, um, and, and, and Monday nights put out a lot of graphics. I stand with Rand graphics and kind of this red silhouette kind of graphic. And, and I know a lot of people who quickly changed their profile pictures. So it's obviously a big deal. He's now the second a person to officially announce, not, not just the second Republican, but these, the second a uh, major candidate to officially announce his intention to run. And this comes just uh, just a couple of weeks after Ted Cruz 
announced and and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz are, are pretty good friends. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens throughout the campaign with them as when it comes down to it, they're competing for the same job. And Ted Cruz and Rand Paul have been very cordial about each other. Right after Rand Paul's announcement, Ted Cruz's office put out a statement saying that uh, he welcomes Rand to the race. But but I think eventually what it comes down to is as similar as Rand Paul and Ted Cruz are on many key issues, it's going to come down to who's better for the party, who's better for building membership, who's better for the future of the Republican Party. And that's where uh, that that's where there's going to be some division between Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and uh, many of the other candidates that will eventually be running. We have Marco Rubio, I think, coming up on the on the 13th, I think, is when he's going to do it. So just uh, this next week. So obviously, I, I think we're going to have a, a pretty impressive um, slew of candidates in 2016. But the Rand Paul Ted Cruz relationship is is going to be one that's going to be tested because ultimately. They're competing for the same job, and and it comes down to if if it's uh, if it's you and your best friend competing for your dream job, if you know if you and your best friend have been offered the position of CEO and you're competing for it, it's gonna get a little dirty, you know. Maybe brunch is gonna be a little more awkward. That's all I'm saying. So the the reason why I am so excited about Rand Paul announcing, and the reason uh, and 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 not as excited about Ted Cruz announcing is because Rand Paul is really a formidable person within the party. He's an interesting character within the Republican Party that I've been watching uh, really since he got elected uh, because of the things that he talks about are so um, so untraditional of a Republican to talk about. He's talking about um, he's talking about how to grow the party in the inner cities. And not just that, he, he's talking about, well, how do we do it? He's talking about... Uh, you know, making sure that that minorities have more of a chance and that they're not being held down by by lofty government programs and and government regulations and 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 and, and laws. Um, so he, he's not only working on the inner cities, he's he's working uh, with kind of both ends of the camp. I mean, he's obviously an outsider. He's not a Republican insider. He's not a uh, an establishment favorite. But what he's doing is he's broadening his base, not in the sense that he's going after the Tea Party vote and the establishment vote. I think for him, it's very clear the establishment uh, vote is not his. Uh, so he, he's not seeking it, which why waste your time in an area that you're going to have little to no success in? What he's doing is he's going after independents and he's going after Democrats. And it's working for the most part. I Just looking on his... Uh, on on his on his uh, Facebook page, whenever he uh, posts things, there are people who who say, you know, I'm, I'm a Democrat, and this election I'll be voting Republican because of Rand Paul. And I think the reason that he does that is because he has ideas that 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 go beyond just the Republican Party. These are bipartisan ideas. With Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, he's worked on bills that would empower minorities, um, especially in their youth. For example, they have been um, working on, on bills to, um, to make the, the, the essentially um, uh, justice reform, what am, what am I trying to think of, justice reform, um, to where you know, young black and, and other minorities um, 
don't have their life ruined because of a, a jail or prison sentence. And so I think that really resonates with Democrats who who see Republicans as as not wanting to help minorities. And Rand Paul is is saying, I'm here. I'm, I'm willing to help them. Let's let's see what we can do. Um, he would also be one of the first Republican, major Republican candidates to essentially advocate for the legalization of marijuana. I mean, that's certainly the direction he's going in. Uh, he, that's where his liber- libertarian leaning certainly comes out. Um, he's also talked in the past about um, about reducing military spending, although recently um, he did come out with an amendment to increase military spending by way of cutting um, other areas of the budget to where he's not actually adding to the budget, which is an interesting approach, I think. But I think when it comes down to Rand Paul represents the future of the Republican Party. And, and, and as someone who has been very careful to associate himself with the Republican Party, I mean, I, I certainly consider myself a local Republican in the sense that I'm active on the local level with the party, but certainly not a, a national Republican in the sense that I'm ready to jump behind the Republican Party. And I think that even if, if, if Rand Paul were to be the nominee, I, I don't know how far I would go into it. But the fact is that Rand Paul, whether he wins the nomination or not, just by being in this race is going to change the Republican Party. And sometimes it's all about just getting in and making the changes you can, even if he's not going to be the nominee. And even if he does become president, there's no guarantee he's going to be able to enact all of these policies that he's talking about. But what it's really about, and what I think um, underdog campaigns, if you will, are really about, is about changing the mindset of your party, of the nation, little by little. And you've seen Rand Paul do that already during his time in the Senate. I think this campaign, if, if he doesn't win the nomination and if he doesn't win the presidency, he will at least get people talking uh, about certain issues and, and, and get the country uh, moving in a different direction, which is, I, I think, um, very important for us right now. Um, but I, I think he is the future of the Republican Party. He is what a modern Republican looks like. I see him, and, and this is a lofty comparison, and I don't like comparisons because there's always people, oh, Ted Cruz is like Ronald Reagan. Oh, so-and-so is like so-and-so. But I see Rand Paul as the Republican JFK. And I'm not just talking about his cool shades and his, his turtlenecks, although I, I don't think I don't think JFK ever wore turtlenecks. I think he knew better. Maybe he couldn't rock them, though. Rand Paul can rock a turtleneck, let me tell you. But I think Rand Paul is someone who, he's obviously younger. He gets the younger people involved, and he excites that younger base. He can go to just about any university and, getting, and get a standing ovation for his speeches. And they could be identical speeches, whether he's going to, um, you know, a, 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 whether he goes to a community college or whether he's going to, to Dartmouth or, or, or Brown or, or wherever. He gets very positive reaction um, with with his with his speeches at universities, and that's because he has such a strong youth following, and he's certainly wanting to capitalize on that in 2016. Because I think the key is for him, at least, if you get the young people out voting, you're going to be okay. So, uh, because I I think in, in past elections, obviously in 2008, the young vote was very uh, pivotal 
to the uh, Barack Obama campaign, uh, both in the primaries and also in the general. And so I think for Rand Paul, leveraging that youth vote is going to be uh, very, very vital, um, and it's going to work out in his favor. Now, Rand does have some issues, and I want to talk about those because I think these are issues that, um, that need to be addressed early on. And, and he went on with Megyn Kelly recently to talk about his issues with the media and, and specifically his issues with, with heated interviews. I mean, Rand Paul is someone who, um, he's a laid-back guy. You could just kind of tell that's his style. He's a laid-back guy. He, he does not do very well at the moment with with these remote interviews, these uh, pretty much anything that's not face-to-face, he has issue with it. And I understand he made a very good point on, on Megyn Kelly's program that uh, whenever he's doing these remote interviews, he can't see the interviewer. He's just hearing them and he's he's at a remote location and, he, and he's trying to uh, navigate the sometimes the tenseness of the interview the best he can. And, and I certainly understand that. It, it could be a, a very challenging um, issue. But what it comes down to is the end result and what the people see on the other side of the screen. If they see Rand Paul speaking over these reporters and shushing them and and saying, you know, calm down, girl, then there are going to be issues. There are going to be issues, whether they are genuine or not, they are going to be brought up. And, and everyone says, oh, it's it's not that big of an issue. I mean, yeah, he's contentious with reporters. He, he's not the biggest fan of the media, but it's not going to be an issue. But I think we forget who we're talking about here. We're talking about the media. These are the same people who said, oh, my gosh, look at John McCain. He can't raise his 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 hands above his head <laughs> isn't he just an old geezer and they said oh obama's the cool guy he's so cool you know he's so hip that's all you need to know about him and they completely ignored all the controversy surrounding the obama campaign and what do you know obama got elected in 2008 and 2012 oh Mitt romney he's just oh he wears he wears dad jeans and 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 he's too rich and oh look at him in his lavish lifestyle and the media controls for for a, a very big part of it the media certainly controls what the electorate thinks. And so with Rand Paul saying that, um, you know, it doesn't bother him too much, it needs to. It needs to because it is going to determine the success of his campaign. Unfortunately, media images everything. Ever since the first debate between Richard and or Richard Nixon and, and JFK, media and, and your appearance on the media is everything. And for Rand Paul, this is going to be a big challenge for him. He needs to, I, I don't know what he needs, but he needs um, he needs some sort of, of coaching in this because if he cannot go through an interview with someone without getting tested uh, or without getting testy and without showing the fact that he has thin skin, he's going to be in for a very bad time, especially in debates because you know very well that debates can get very contentious, especially when you have people like, I don't know, Joe Biden, if you have people like him who are just laughing the whole time. The last thing that Rand Paul needs to do is get pissed off in a debate and, and, and start shushing the moderator or start you know attacking these other Republicans. And I talked about his relationship with Ted Cruz. What happens when Ted Cruz and Rand Paul disagree with an issue? And, you know, when either of them, if either of them end up winning the, the nomination, they're going to need each other's supporters to cross over. So all I'm saying is Rand Paul needs to be careful with how he presents himself. I think through interviews and, and then whenever it becomes debate time, it's going to be very vital. 
that he uh, that he shows his 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 casual side, that he shows that he's laid back, but also is not afraid. And Megyn Kelly made this point. I mean, even though he's been contentious in these interviews, he cannot show uh, he, he cannot act as if he's laying down and just letting these reporters do whatever they want with him. He certainly has to be assertive in that regard, uh, but he needs to be careful uh, regarding, you know, how he goes about doing that. And he doesn't need to be shushing people. I think we should put a ban on the shush, put a ban on it. And uh, and, and I don't know. I, I think, I, I really think the best way, because, you know, in these interviews, he's out of his element. I really believe that he's out of his element because he's wearing a suit and tie. Let Rand wear the turtleneck on national television. Let's, you know, let's get that image out there and, uh, and, and let's get people... You know, looking like, oh, Rand's a cool guy. And whenever he wears the turtleneck, I guarantee his interviews are going to be a little better. He's going to be laid back. He's, man, he's going to be into it. That's all I'm saying, Rand, is wear the turtleneck during the interviews. All right. So that's enough about Rand Paul. I I obviously donated the campaign, but only because I wanted stuff. I got a t-shirt. I got the the iChart poster. If you haven't seen that, go to randpaul.com. The iChart poster is pretty cool. So... My goal, though, I'll be very transparent on this. My goal is to have a poster from every candidate. So there will even be a Clinton a sign poster, not a signed poster, but a sign or a poster um, in my house. Um, there will be nothing on my car about her, though. Uh, so I, I did get I did get some of his some of the Rand Paul swag. So I'm waiting for that to come in. Uh, and I'm very excited about that. Speaking about excitement, those of you who know me well know that I love, I love Mexican food. Oh, gosh. I love Mexican food. And and I've been looking, really, in this election, it really comes down to I'm looking for a candidate who loves Mexican food as much as I do. And, guys, I think I found him. And it's a guy that I've been, um, you know, I haven't been the biggest fan of this guy. But I think I think now... Now it would be it would be racist of me to not support this man. His name is Jeb Bush. He's the former governor of Florida. And in 2009, he became a Hispanic. Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about from Politico, Jeb Bush identified himself as Hispanic in 2009 form. And it reads, Jeb Bush identified himself as a Hispanic on a 2009 voter registration form, according to a report by The New York Times. According to the voter registration application, Bush chose Hispanic in the race ethnicity field. A spokeswoman for the Republican presidential hopeful could not explain the characterization to the Times. His wife, Columba Bush, was born in Leon, Mexico, and the former Florida governor speaks fluent Spanish. He also lived in Caracas, Venezuela, uh, while working as vice president for the Texas Commerce Bank. So, you know, obviously, guys, he, you know, he he made a little mistake. But I say, hey, I say he should embrace his his Hispanic heritage. Because as we all know, his father, George H.W. Bush, totally a Mexican. Uh, and he speaks flu- fluent Spanish. His wife is was born in Mexico. So I, I don't see the big deal. He's guys, he's obviously Hispanic. So, I, you know, I, I, I just I don't get it. His son, Jeb Jr., tweeted out, LOL, come on, Dad, think you checked the wrong box. Hashtag honorary Latino. And uh, Jeb himself retweeted it with a comment saying, my mistake, 
don't think I fooled anyone. I don't know, Jeb. You, you did actually fool me. I Whenever I saw the report, I was like, oh, my gosh, Jeb's Hispanic. Well, ugh, now I can't oppose him because I'll be racist. Um, I think what, what this shows is that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the guy who wants to run the country. This is the guy who wants to, um, as president, approve and enforce legislation, and he can't um, check the right box under ethnicity, which I mean, I understand though. All right. I've been, I, I've done them as well. I've done these forms where you have to check what race you are. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's very, it's, it's a very high pressure moment when you're asked what your, what your race is. And, you know, you have to look at yourself and you're like, oh my God, what am I? And it's a very philosophical moment because you're like, where did I come from? You know, what is my heritage? And, 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 and how did I get here? And who were my ancestors? And, and we don't know, Jeb, Jeb Bush's ancestors could have very well been, um, people of Hispanic roots. So I don't think we should be so quick to judge him about this people. This is Jeb Bush exposed. And this is the real Jeb Bush. And I'm loving it, you know, and I cannot wait to get a button or a poster or a shirt that says Hispanics for Jeb Bush. Because the fact is, if he doesn't come out with that poster, I will make it myself and I will sell it because that needs to be a thing. And I think that that every Hispanic would get behind Jeb Bush because he hablas Espanol. And I don't even know if that was the correct uh, conjugation. And I do apologize for anyone who speaks Spanish. Please correct me. Tweet me at Stephen underscore Perkins. How do you say Jeb Bush speaks Spanish in Spanish? Would it be Jeb, Bl Jeb Bush habla Espanol? Si, I think so. So that is apparently news to people. But even bigger news is that Hillary Clinton, and by the way, this is another story that has made me extremely happy today, is I go on Drudge and I find the headline, Hillary Clinton slipping in the polls. And I thought, well, this, this has to be too good to be true. But then again, April Fool's was last week. So what's going on here from, uh, do, 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 Qu how do you pronounce that? Quinnipiac University. That's my best guess. April 9th, 2015 press release. Paul Blooms as Clinton wilts in Colorado, Iowa, Virginia. And it says, uh, right now the numbers coming out in Colorado. This is by the way, Rand Paul compared to Hillary Clinton. Uh, Colorado, Paul, 44%, Clinton, 41%, Iowa, 43% uh, for Paul, Clinton, 42 and Virginia, Clinton, 47 Paul, 43 And the release says, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's lead is wilting against leading Republican presidential candidates in three critical swing states, Colorado, Iowa, and Virginia, as she finds herself in a close race with U.S. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky in each state, according to Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac University swing state poll released today. In head-to-head -head matchups, every Republican candidate effectively ties her in Colorado, and almost all Republicans effectively tie her in Iowa. Secretary Clinton has lost ground in almost every matchup in Colorado and Iowa since February 18th swing state poll by the independent Quinnipiac. Oh, oh, they actually have a pronunciation. Quinnipiac, I was right, University. The swing state poll focuses 
on key states in the presidential election. Cool. So this is what it comes down to. Hillary Clinton is losing steam. And obviously not enough, right? She's still in Colorado. She's only three points away from Paul. In Iowa, she's only one point away. In Virginia, she's uh, four points away. So it's not like she is, you know, losing to where she's like uh, in the 20s or 30s. She's still neck and neck. But I think going back to what, what I was saying earlier about Rand Paul, he is able to pull in these uh, these moderate and these Democrats um, who maybe haven't voted for a Republican in a while because of his message. But what it comes down to is Hillary Clinton is an extremely flawed candidate. Hillary Clinton, I really believe, is the Democrats' John McCain in 2008 right now. She's flawed. She reminds people of the, of the failed presidency of the past, by the time it's the election, the past eight years. And what people don't want, and, and, and I think really this, is, this goes without saying, people don't want another legacy election. They don't want a Bush versus Clinton election. I certainly don't want that. I think that our country deserves more choices than two ruling families. It should not be Bush, Clinton, Bush, uh, Obama, Clinton, Bush. Stop the madness. We need to get over Hillary Clinton as a candidate. I say we, I mean you guys, any Democrats listening. You need to get over Hillary Clinton as a candidate. Oh, but wait, the problem is that they can't because they don't have any really other qualified candidate. They have Martin O'Malley, who talks like he has peanut butter in his mouth at all times. I mean, really, I don't know what the guy's issue is. It's almost as if he has a stroke in every interview. Not trying to make fun of people with strokes, but, you know, that's how it sounds. And, I mean, what next? Bernie Sanders, the old fart from, where is he, from Vermont, I think? I mean, they have they have no one. Republic or Democrats will tell you straight out they feel like they are settling on Hillary Clinton. And it's going to come back and it's going to bite them. I don't know, and, and I've looked into this, I don't know any Democrat who can challenge Hillary Clinton, and that is a bad thing for Democrats. Not that I'm complaining, but when it comes down to it, Hillary is such a flawed candidate. We've already seen it before. You know, people, people, people say that, that the problem with Republicans is they're so, oh, we're so smug and, oh, they're so rich and they're so white and they're so old. But yet the Democrats are going to turn around and nominate a rich, white, old woman and the only reason it's okay is because she's a woman and listen i have no issue with a woman becoming president i think that that carly fiorina would make a wonderful president i think that uh i I think that um uh susanna martinez would be an interesting uh choice i think Condoleezza rice would be one one hell of a president so i have no issue with with having a, a woman run for president and become president. I have an issue with Hillary Clinton becoming president because she feels like she's above the law. She's pompous. Uh, she's arrogant. She feels like she deserves this position all because her husband used to be in the White House. And that turned out pretty well, didn't it? I mean, yeah, we had a great economy, but turns out that was because he was being motivated to have a good economy by his Jewish secretary. But, you know, that's another issue for another podcast. 
the fact is, is that Hillary Clinton is, uh, p- people are starting to realize that she's not the answer. I don't think she's winning over any moderates. The only, the only way she's going to be winning over moderates is when her campaign ultimately puts out the message, if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, you're a sexist. And you know that's coming. You know that's coming. And a lot of people scoff at that and they say, oh, you know, you just think that, uh, you know, that that's the the go-to liberal thing is racist or sexist. But it really is. It really is. Because when you when you run people who have no accomplishments of their own, you you have to paint the other side as evil people. When Barack Obama ran, he had no accomplishments. He, he had done nothing in the Senate. He was a, he's a glorified community organizer, which is to say he's a community activist. I know plenty of community activists in my community. They should not be president because they haven't done crap. And so in 2008, the whole thing was, well, okay, we have a candidate who is, uh, who would be the first black president. He has no accomplishments to his name. Um, and he has some views that are very radical. So how are we going to get around this? Let's say if you don't vote for him, you're a racist. So now the thing is, we have a former first lady, someone who was a senator from New York, didn't really do much, and someone who was secretary of state and allowed four Americans to die in Benghazi. So how do we get around that terrible, terrible track record? Um, let's just say that if you don't vote for her, she's a sexist. Genius. Let's, let's do that. That's our strategy. That's it. That's the message. I read something the other day, her campaign team, which by the way, her announcement has to be coming within the next, I think, 10 days because she just leased an office for her campaign and FEC rules say 15 days before you have to uh, actually um, declare candidacy. So it should be coming within the next 10 days, although we haven't heard anything from staff or anyone. But apparently her staff, her, her strategy staff, is saying that their focus is going to be on on um, on collecting um, information about what the voters are most concerned about instead of focusing on Hillary Clinton as a president. So they are taking the completely issues-based concern. They, they are saying, you know, we want to know what people care about, and then we will tailor our message around that, which is fine. But the second part, I think, should be troubling when they say, but in the same time, we're not really going to focus on Hillary as a candidate. We're just going to focus on the idea of a Democrat still in the White House. The fact that they can't even bring themselves to promote the fact that Hillary Clinton is the candidate, is, is the person running, I think is troubling. It shows that they don't have confidence in their candidate. And how could they? Because they have such a terrible terrible candidate and and by the way i'm calling her the candidate she is the democratic party's candidate and and there's there's really i don't think any any room to debate against that there is no one else that's going to run against her so for her the challenge is how the real challenge is how does she get over this um this this sense about her that she is arrogant that she feels like she's above the law which I mean, you know, admittedly, most Democrats don't care if their candidate feels like they're above the law. After all, we've had, by the time the election comes, we would have had eight years of Barack Obama blatantly avoiding constitutional law, even though the guy was a constitutional lawyer. But again, a message for another podcast, Stephen, calm down. 
So they're okay with that. They're okay with that. But here's the fun part, and this is what really gets me jazzed up. Democrats were Democrats really they don't get out and vote as as much as Republicans do. In 2008, they were very much so um, motivated to get out and vote for Barack Obama. It was a very historic election. In 2012, they were still motivated, but less motivated. In 2016, I really don't think Democrats are going to be motivated. I really don't. I really don't. Because you listen to Democrats and they say, we feel trapped. We feel like we don't have any options. They are where we were in 2008. No good options. Although even in 2008, we had better candidates than, than or potential candidates than they do now because they have really no potential candidates. We at least had uh, pretty decent ones. The problem was that they were all Republicans. So for Hillary Clinton, the news that she is slipping in the polls, um, I think, is, is very encouraging. And I want to go back to this to this poll and just give you some more information before we uh, kind of end out the show here. Just some other facts. And, you know, uh, so obviously we compared her to Paul um, in, let me see, in Florida or to, to do in the presidential race in Colorado. Paul gets 44 percent to Clinton's 41 percent. Other Republicans are effectively tied as well. Uh, Senator Marco Rubio um, gets 41 percent to Clinton's 40 percent. Um, she ties uh former arkansas governor mike huckabee 41 percent 41 percent god i hope he doesn't run governor scott walker gets 42 percent to her to her 41 percent clinton gets 42 percent to 41 percent for ted cruz she gets 41 percent to jeb bush's 38 percent oh my god what a loser clinton gets 41 percent to 39 percent uh for Governor Christopher, they refer to him as Christopher Christie. That makes him, <laughs> that makes him sound a lot more polished than he really is. It's not Christopher Christie. It's it's Chris. It's it's that guy Chris. Clinton gets a negative forty-one to fifty-one percent favorability compared to forty-six forty-seven percent in February. Favorability ratings for the Republicans are negative twenty-two. 48% for Christie, negative 29, 44% for Bush, 36, 31% for Paul, 35, 35 for Huckabee, 26, 23 for Walker, with 50% who don't know enough about him to form an opinion. Oh boy. 31 to 26% for Rubio, and negative 20 to 34% for Cruz. So I think what this comes down to is, is this election is getting... Um, this election is, is getting closer and closer. I think ultimately um, this year or in 2016, I think Iowa is going to go for a Republican. I think Colorado is going to go for a Republican. And these are two very important states. And obviously it depends on who the Republican is. I don't see, you know, Iowa's, well, maybe Iowa, but Colorado is not going Republican if Mike Huckabee or Jeb Bush is the candidate. But I think Paul or Cruz or Walker, they'll, they'll certainly swing that way. So this will be an election, uh, an interesting election to uh, to pay attention to. I'm really excited that the that the season's getting started up. I, I really am. Like some people get this excited about baseball season or football season. Man, this is election season, and it lasts for like a year and a half, and it's the greatest thing ever because there's T-shirts and there's posters, and there are lively Twitter debates involved. 
which I guess technically baseball and football have any sport has the same thing. I don't know. I just feel like debate political debates are a lot better than debating over who's better, Tom Brady or, or I don't know. Who are the comparisons there? Someone with football, with football help me out. All right, before we go this week, I do just want to um, do a couple of announcements of things that are happening. So gather around, children. This Saturday, which is the the 11th, there is a hangout with OutsetMagazine.com and RedMillennial.com. We did it uh, two weeks ago on the, what was that, the 4th? Or no, we did it we did it on March 28th, so on Ted Cruz, and we're doing it again on Saturday the 11th on Rand Paul. And that's going to be at 12 p.m. Eastern. You can go to redmillennial.com for the details on that. I will I will not be on the Hangout as I will be um, out of town, sadly. But there will be plenty of outset contributors there um, who will be hanging out with the Red Millennial contributors. And they're going to talk about Rand Paul. And uh, I, I am kind of bu- uh, bummed that I'm missing that one because that's going to be fun. Also, another big announcement on this this Friday, like tomorrow, that is if you're listening on Thursday, but like Friday of this week, the 10th on Outset Podcast, the Matt Dallas show premieres and Matt Dallas is, is a good friend and uh, and I, I think he uh, he's going to do a really great show and I'm very excited to see that, that getting up and going. Um, so make sure to tune into that tomorrow if you're listening on Thursday or if if uh, if if you uh, if you're still um, or if you know if you've listened to this late, make sure to go and and look up his new show. I think you're really going to like it. And then we have a couple more announcements coming in the in the next couple of weeks about some other shows that we are getting started up. So pretty much we are we are getting very close to the point where it's going to be a full lineup on Outset. Uh, well, that does it for this week's show. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher, on Spreaker, on, you know, just wherever wherever you look, we're probably there. My apologies to Jeb Bush. We were going to have him on the program this week, but we ran out of time. Until you and I speak again next week, take care, God bless, and keep the fight going.